What up, everybody? Welcome back to the Bizzlecast commentary for Hawkeye. Real quick note here. Um, in general, I've been trying to get you guys fairly quickly into the countdown for these episodes, but this is a major, major episode, um, episode five, uh, Ronin, uh, because we, it, we immediately go into the post-Black Widow uh, story of Yelena uh, Romanoff and how that links into uh, Hawkeye. Um, and uh, it's really important <laughs> in the grand scheme of, of the MCU. Maybe the most important uh, you know, direct connection, even more than Sam and Bucky in some ways, especially because the Black Widow movie just happened um, fairly recently and still fresh in our mind. We're still sad about Natasha's death. Um, so anyways, I do do about a 10 minute intro here. So if you want to go right into the countdown, uh, jump about 10 minutes in. Um, but I do uh, do about a, t a 10 minute intro um, uh, because I wanted to talk a little bit about um, why I love this episode and was glad other people loved it, but felt a little uncomfortable about it in some ways or a little unsure. Um, um, but it turned out to be fantastic, and I can't wait to do it with you and do the countdown. Uh, so uh, skip to about 10 minutes from now, so about 11 minutes in, I'll get you right into the countdown. Or listen to me talk a little bit about Florence Pugh and Haley Steinfeld, their mutual love fest, the, the, their great acting abilities, and just a little behind the scenes uh, with everything that goes on in this really special episode. And now we're caught up. Uh, the episode 6 is not for another couple days, um, and so we'll have to wait to see how much Kingpin we get. But apparently it is the longest episode of any MC you show, maybe any Disney Plus show yet, uh, so it's going to be something truly epic. Thank you so much for joining me on this ride. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm not really sure where it's going to go. Um, there's a lot going on here, um, and uh, hence the intro. Um, so again, jump about 10 minutes from now um, to about 11, 12 minutes in if you want to get into the countdown. Otherwise, here is the little intro from the Bizzle. Alright folks, welcome back to the Bizzlecast commentaries for Hawkeye Season 1 on Disney Plus, courtesy of Marvel Studios, with our favorite duo, uh, for the moment at least, Jervy Redder as Clint Barton, Barton, aka Hawkeye, and Haley Steinfeld as Ms. Kate Bishop. I'm about to count you in in a minute or two uh, to, to episode 5. Which I keep saying this because um, they keep getting better, but this is really the one that won over the nerd boys who, you know, weren't as excited as um, people like myself who already loved Hawkeye and Haley and have been rooting for this and pushing for this project specifically for a couple of years, or just Haley fans um, uh, in general, uh, which is very cool that not only, um, as I mentioned in the last one, is this bringing a lot of new people to Marvel um, <clears throat> who are just Haley Steinfeld fans, um, but that they're the ones who jumped on this first. First, uh, and uh, it rightfully should take credit um, for embracing uh, not only the show uh, with their girl Haley, who they already love from Dickinson and Edge of Seventeen, Pitch Perfect, and so forth, as I do, um, uh, but uh, but Renner as well. Um, and uh, it's very clear as you watch it um, that you know they were made for each other in this sort of role. Um, and uh, but this is the one because we got the Romanoffs in, and the ties in the Black Widow story, and it's bringing bringing in um, Elena, who, you know, people thought and said stole the Black Widow movie, and she certainly was set up um, with Scarlet in the lead. Uh, she clearly had Scarlet's blessing um, uh, to, to do so, and sort of passing the baton to her as the next Black Widow or whatever. Um, and uh, while it's still hard to believe she would so easily accept Val, this, you know, Julie Louis-Dreyfus character out of nowhere, uh, uh, telling her that Natasha's best friend killed her uh, without a motive um, I guess she's so damaged um, uh, from the Black Widow program, and from the snap, as we're going to see here, um, and uh, and everything else she's been through, um, that it's easy to take advantage of, of someone like that. And while there's different uh, ideas out there about when and how she'll learn the truth and accept the truth, um, that it was quite the opposite, that he tried to kill himself to save her life numerous times, um, for now at least, she's going to be going after him. Um, but what it does set up is one of the best scenes ever uh, between two young actresses with uh, Florence Pugh as uh, Yelena Romanoff uh, and uh, Kate Bishop with, with, as Haley um, in a very tense but funny get to know you uh, scene um, that really lasts a long time but is so funny and unique um, and it has a level of tension that is either vacillating or um, you know uh, 
like the characters don't even seem to know where the tension level is at least it, Kate it doesn't um and so it, it you know it, it makes you kind of laugh more because you're sort of on edge about what's going on uh, the reason I'm doing a little uh, intro here is because I can't help myself but also because this one does not have a uh previously on this one goes immediately into what happens after Black Widow with Yelena and then the snap um, because Black Widow takes place after Civil War, and so there's only a year or two between then and uh, the Thanos snap, when Yelena does get ashified, apparently. And I did not, again, you know, I, I saw Wanda, where we saw, uh, we saw people after the snap appear out of, back out of nowhere and be confused. Um, and we saw some of the other uh, fallout in um, uh, Bucky uh, and, uh, and Sam, Winter Soldier and Falcon, who, again, they were ashified, but we didn't really hear about their experience. I guess the, the whole idea is it, it's almost instantaneous them coming back five years later, and so they don't know where they are, and they're confused about why everyone else has had five years of life, but it's not like they were in a dream world, um, which I was sort of hoping would happen, that they would have at least some weird psychedelic experience, especially with the whole Doctor Strange element, but uh, it certainly actually makes more sense, um, uh, <laughs> both storytelling-wise and quantum physics-wise and so forth, to have it happen. But maybe they did something similar like this in Loki, uh, I, which I still haven't seen, even though I love Hiddleston. Um, I'll get to it eventually. Um, and I didn't see Shang-Chi or the Eternals. I don't know if they address it in that. Uh, but as far as I know, this is the first time we see someone go directly from before the snap into the snap and afterwards one of our relatively main characters at this point being you know a romanoff uh, and the main character going forward hopefully eventually with the good guys on the avengers um with elena and florence Pugh, and uh you know um i'm gonna count us in um i'm not sure at this point how much i want to talk uh during that long apartment scene which is so brilliant um, because I could easily, like, comment on each bit, and we found out shortly thereafter, directly from the directors, we found out from the directors online that quite a bit of that scene, including the most really funny lines and funny back and forth between those two, was improved. Um, it's not surprising, knowing the talent of those two, but it's also not surprising because during and after the filming, obviously, you know, Renner and, and uh, uh, Seinfeld got along great and are even tighter now after the press tour and everything going on with the success of the show. She loved, um, but she also really likes to connect with the other young actors. Her and Freyfi became big buds with each other. The guy who plays Kazi, um, who's doing a great job. Um, and she was, you know, very, uh, made sure she really reached out to Maya and learned some sign language and so forth um, with that actress. Made her feel welcome, um, which is such a Haley thing to do. Uh, and the dog, of course. Uh, but really, her and, and Flo, <laughs> I don't know if she goes by Flo, her and Florence uh, became total besties uh, on set and haven't hit their, hidden their mutual affection for one another. Um, and uh, what's interesting is Haley in, is in general um, more famous uh, overall in the world, but for people who are just nerds who follow, you know, like the guys, you know, this, the, the, the male nerds that I know online, even the smart ones, you know, they've still seen way more Marvel and Star Wars movies than like normal movies or, you know, the Steinus of Haley Steinfeld, like for sure have not seen Dickinson. Um, or Pitch Perfect, and probably not Edge of Seventeen, um, all stuff that I love. Uh, but point being, um, Florence Pugh seems to be the big famous actor uh, between the two of them. And, you know, it, I just want to get this out ahead of time. I'll count you guys in because I don't want to dwell on this during the show um, uh, because, um, you know, I love the actress, I love the character. And I think there's a great future ahead. Um, but if it was anyone but Haley Steinfeld, I'd be worried about, you know, uh, this exact thing happening where it seems like, you know, Elena's, uh, that Florence is going to get credit for, you know, making the show great and not just good or, you know, stealing it or whatever. Haley's so confident. She's so famous, well-established, awarded. Uh, and by normal people, or, I'm sorry, uh, people who are... Uh, um, 
film buffs uh, and TV buffs in general, and not just nerd stuff, uh, know Haley well. And Florence is actually the newer property, um, uh, or I should say the, the newer um, uh, element out there uh, uh, for us. Um, uh, Haley's just so confident, but also just loved her and loves her, her co-workers. I mean, again, even Freyfi, who's doing a great job as Kazi, it's not like he has a ton of screen time. Um, he's sort of a central character because of he's sort of the moral side of Maya, as we're going to see even more in this episode, as he really starts to kind of almost trick her into letting go of the Ronin thing and giving up this murderous revenge fantasy. Um, but, you know, uh, like... <laughs> Uh, in the first major episode with him, he, you know, he he posted about how much how great him, um, uh, Haley and, and and Renner were. I think it was episode three when they really started to bond. And her immediate response was to was to be like, "No, we should be talking about how great you are." That's just Haley Steinfeld. She always puts it on her coworkers uh, and the other people, and uh, you know, it's not a fake humility. She really loves working with these folks, and they really love working with her. Um, and uh, okay, shut up, Bizzle. We'll get into this. Uh, and so again, I just I don't know how much to talk during this because it's such an affecting opening that feels directly as if it's a postscript, uh, a true postscript to the Black Widow movie, um, and uh, really, you know, perfectly bridges the connection uh, between um, it uh, and the Hawkeye show and what's going on here, and then the apartment scene is something very special, and part of me wants to just let you guys watch it, but part of me thinks you guys have already watched it, and you can watch it again without me talking, so maybe I'll be commenting during it. Uh, now that I know that it was uh, very much improv, I don't know what to make of it. So um, now with that long intro, uh, let me uh, uh, get us into the countdown here. And again, it's going to go right into the post-Black Widow stuff with Yelena. Um, and so uh, there's no... Um, I don't know if they do even do the Marvel title credits. They must at some point, but I don't think they do previously on... on uh, I was going to say Black Widow on, on Hawkeye. So um, let, let me get you guys into the countdown. So here's a little spiel, and then we'll get going. Oh, and one final thing, uh, which is just that I don't normally do something like this, uh, especially to someone I don't know personally. Um, but she's such a favorite of mine in all aspects of entertainment. And just as a human being and individual, I would like to dedicate this, uh, really this whole series, but definitely this episode to Scarlett Johansson, um, who has been such a model citizen, a phenomenal actress and a team player and everything she's ever done. Um, it was, it was heartbreaking about the, 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 um, <laughs> the stupid lawsuit, but not only did she win, but everyone important in the industry, uh, came out in support of her, including Kevin Feige, when it against his bosses, basically, and that was, like, rehired immediately to meet an executive producer for the near future in Scarlett Johansson, just to shove it in the face of the fucking idiot CEO at Disney, um, but we, well, we did get to see Scarlett very quickly with the Endgame flashback in the last episode, and maybe we will going forward, she's all over this, I mean, this whole series, I knew that this would be a series where she'd be important, you know, in tormenting, uh, in Hawkeye, we knew that Elena was going to be trying to get, you know, revenge and blah, 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 everything we're going to see here, um, and teased in the Black Widow movie, but, um, for me, you know, the, the movie that got me, um, well, I started covering all of this during Ultron, uh, the movie that got me, you know, really into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, well after Iron Man 2008 was Captain America the Winter Soldier in 2014, which, while I love all the Avengers movies, you know, the, 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 uh, the non-team movie, by far that's my favorite, always has been and always will be, um, and really just changed my mind about, you know, what could be done in a PG-13 comic book movie uh, with Cap and American Winter Soldier, not just the political stuff, um, you know, which again is a little airbrushed over time, but specifically the relationship between Steve and Natasha. Um, and, uh, well, you know, I always was going to love Scarlett Johansson. I wasn't sure if they were going to be able to handle Black Widow, um, correctly and make her as dimensional as Scarlett could do with a char any character. Um, uh, or whether the two they're just going to do the, you know, stereotypical sexy badass without personality. Thank God it turned out to be the opposite of that. Um, and we got everything we could ask for and more with her. Um, but that, you know, that would so f quickly fall in love with Captain America, becoming one of my favorite, if not my favorite characters. Never saw that coming. And those two as being the heart of the team. Hawkeye obviously is the other heart and his relationship with Natasha, but he wasn't in nearly as much as, as, as Nat and uh, Steve. Um, and so it's a 
a little weird that we have a Bucky and Sam series, you know, uh, dealing with the uh, um, post kept uh, post Steve Rogers phase of existence, and now we have a Hawkeye series dealing with the post Natasha Romanoff phase of existence. Um, and so we miss Captain America, but really, um, you know, ScarJo has been my fave across everything. Um, and uh, so yeah, so let's dedicate this to Scarlet um, and celebrate that we still have a Romanoff uh, who is really Russian and not just used to be Russian uh, and is already a fan favorite uh, in Florence Pugh and a delightful addition and uh, yeah so um, so now you have two intros into this episode but I think it deserves it um, and uh, let's just enjoy this together um, and it is a trip so here comes the countdown finally shut up Pizzle really it's happening now three two one and play one two three four Five, it's a synthetic gas, counteragent to chemical subjugation, he had the widows implanted all over the world, you should be the one to tell him it's over, let's see, not quite aligned here, 2018, there it is, We're about 20, 21 seconds in, so, okay, so I'm not going to harp on it, <laughs> all the places I thought we might see Natasha. Uh, this was certainly one. Um, but even though it hasn't been that long since the Black Widow movie, I sort of forgot exactly how it ended. Um, uh, here we go. <laughs> uh, but it did end with Natasha, obviously, was going to have to go back to the Avengers. And so the we're going to go around and save all the, the Black Widows um, who are still, you know, <laughs> under the hypnotic spell or, or whatnot um, and, uh, and free them from it. Um, uh, you know, was then going to be left up to um, Team Elena Romanoff, uh, who seemed more than capable and more than um, uh, more than capable and more than um, willing to lead. Um, and what's great about this scene is it's totally unclear when, you, when they first do this why they would pick the scene where they decontaminate someone who's already been decontaminated and is actually just living a life of being a mercenary, but she's not a widow anymore. But it's because this whole, uh, the whole plot in general with Elena is about Mr. X, both in the story, in her brain, and for us, but also because by doing this, the last thing we're possibly going to think about is that this is going to lead into ashification, and that, you know, she then she immediately wakes up five years later. Uh, she's already confused and misdirected in her own life here, but not nearly to the extent that she's about to be in the next few minutes or hour or whatever it is when she looks in the mirror. Five years goes by, she comes back, and this woman has a family, and then she says, where's my sister? And so it turns out that um, when we see the post credit scene uh, with Julia Louis as Val in the Black Widow movie. Oh, right here. Right. They're still good. We're going to get back together, spend time in New York, blah, blah, blah. Five years goes by. And of course, she's dead afterwards because she helped save the universe by sacrificing herself. Sex in the city. Right. Um, yeah, she's already feeling a little weird. And this is great. Again, as far as I know, this was the is this the first time we see someone directly before, directly during, and directly after the sort of immediate wormhole time jump that happens with the Thanos snap. So the Thanos snap is about to happen right here. Of course, uh, Black Widow does not get affected by the snap. Oh, she gets ashified. This is great. Immediately is back wearing the same clothes in the same room, the walls changed, so she sees a little bit of the, the after, so you get to see, like, you know, when you go through this wormhole, but the paint's changed, she certainly feels weird, but I don't know if she feels internally weird enough, um, right, and now, she's back in the room we were just at, and so, it was, again, it was brilliant to get us confused with her before the snap even happened. There was something weird going on with the widow who was no longer a widow. Now she's got a family. Right, you're back. Right, the people who have been around the whole time have to now explain everything to the people who are ashified. And apparently no time has passed for them. 
So again, I don't know if it was pure canon and we knew that, it, that this happened, that it was an instantaneous thing, like a, a time warp, uh, a, a, a time warp wormhole uh, that just shot you five years forward um, and so forth. Um, but it is now and we've seen it happen and it was super cool and it's awesome they got to do it in the Hawkeye show. Um, and because of the connection of Natasha um, and Clint and how central Natasha Romanoff uh, you know, is in this series, even though we directly see her only once, at least so far, it's very, very fitting. This is great too. This is the great way to this is a great way to, to transition. I don't think they even flip back to the other woman. Do they flip back to her? Or they just no, we just see her face. So anyways, so if you want to put everything together now, you go back to the post credit scene. Okay, here's the Marvel titles. Uh, if you go back to the post credit scene of Black Widow, where she's with Val, and Val says, here's the guy that killed your sister, it's clear that that has happened after what we just saw, after the ashification, because Black Widow wouldn't have been dead yet. Her sister Natasha would not have been dead yet. So it definitely happens, you know, <laughs> after the ashification. It also helps explain why, you know... Uh, Someone like Elena would be even more susceptible to buying Val's bullshit about uh, Hawkeye, which otherwise makes zero sense, because not only is she damaged by the, the whole Black Widow experience and everything that's gone on over the years, oh, this is great. We get to see, oh, is this the previously on? They do get a previously on. Oh, wow. You rarely see that. You rarely see the opening, uh, 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 you know, an original dramatic opening and then the title credits and then the previously on. Anyways, who cares? Um, it's cool that we got this. You got to do this for the TV watchers. There's Kazi. Frey, Freffy, Freffy, whatever his name is. He's super cool. I like him. He's someone I'd love to be friends with. Uh, I'm sure all the ladies love him. Kate actually calls him hot. Here she is. She really does look like a Natasha's sister. It's amazing. I mean, she's not a traditional, you know, knockout uh, uh, stunner, um, uh, like Scarlett Johansson. But that fits great with Haley Steinfeld, who also is beautiful, but isn't a traditional knockout stunner. Um, you know, these are two women who are beautiful, uh, but are really made sexy and appealing, or whatever you want to say, or however you want to see it, uh, by their personalities, and specifically how smart and hilarious they are. For me, the sexiest thing in the girl even way more than looks, is being funny and hilarious. And, and that's the thing. Haley Steinfeld still feels like my little sister. So, I, you know, I try not to objectify any of these women. But, you know, I'm very open about, like, Felicity Jones and Amelia Clark. I'm totally smitten with them, in addition to their talent. Haley still feels a little bit like my little sister. Uh, but it's I just find her hilarity, as well as her overall acting chops, but specifically her ability to make me laugh, um, really... Um, you know, just so appealing, and, and Florence Pugh is, is doing that as well, um, and seeing two of the, you know, mo more hilarious young actresses out there uh, for their age get to go off each other. Of course, we get to start here with heartbreaking Haley Steinfeld stuff. Um, oh, I have a new thought, by the way, about mom since the last commentaries. By the way, I stayed up all night, basically, doing these episodes three, four, and five, because, you know, once you get to episode three, you just want to watch everything. I've been falling into the trap that, oh, she's the bad guy because of the the one picture with her and Fisk, and clearly Jack's the good guy. I still think Jack's not the bad guy. I have a new thought about Eleanor that I should have been more obvious uh, Um. Uh, that should have been more obvious to me before when talking about Wilson Fisk. Um, but really quickly, um, right, again, this is all working right into Eleanor's plans, er, that her daughter got pushed away by Hawkeye in an emotional situation, a life-threatening situation, and instead of guilting her, she's, you know, doing, oh, baby girl, it's okay, you made a mistake, we'll get it together, everything's gonna be fine, sort of, you know, supportive, but also playing to her vulnerabilities, um, whereas if she if it was really is Kate Bishop's mom, you're so cute with that tiny bow, all right, and Kate, at some point, says, do you ever regret giving it to me? And her mom says, sometimes. It's so easy to... to uh, let me put this, this way. It's so easy to never possibly think that mom uh, 
would be the bad guy, which is why even though I came into this series knowing why Vera Farmiga gets cast because she plays uh, someone who that you sort of love but also suspect is morally ambiguous and could at any moment make a decision or a choice or, or, or do something that you're not expecting, um, uh, whether she's good, bad, or otherwise. Uh, but I was spoiled before this episode about the photo at the end with her and Kingpin. Well, I might as well just get to that right now, which is, I went on this whole bit in the last one about, you know, the reason Kingpin is is framing uh, the Renner Ronin, um, but more specifically, you know, uh, making Maya one of his, uh, you know, subjects. I mean, she refers to him as uncle or whatever, but you know, making Maya one of her, his, his fighters, one of his... Uh, uh, his troops, uh, uh, soldiers, so to speak, is that he, it's not that he uh, goes after existing criminals, but that he actually goes after mostly good people, but who have nothing, who the system has ground up, um, and either who he's manipulated the system to grind them up, um, uh, but then plays the, oh, the system's fucking with you, come join me, I'll help you out, or who the system is legitimately fucking up, um, and it gets them that way. Um, sometimes it doesn't work out like Dex, but usually it does with the people who follow him. Maya seems to be, um, you know, again, if my theory that other people seem to support is, uh, okay, so here's uh, Kazi's first attempt to really try and get her to stop, and the, and the, she opens up for like two seconds about her vulnerability here, um, and what's great about this actress is she can tell that he's already starting to manipulate her to not do this. He can't get out of this particular conversation by saying, don't kill the Ronin. He tries here, your hunt has to stop. And so the compromise is, okay, let's kill him and then let's end it. But he's already thinking of a way to not even kill the Ronin because it's going to set her down a path of murder. It's possible she's never actually murdered anyone before, just beat up a lot of people. But because she's deaf, and because she's vulnerable for a lot of reasons, being orphaned, but, well, I guess she was adult when her dad was killed, but, you know, family-less, and, you know, working with criminals and for criminals, um, uh, but because w w when you have a really bad disability, whether it's mental illness or deafness or blindness, you're even more likely to be um, rationally suspicious of people taking advantage of you, and it's especially hurtful when you suspect someone that you like or is close to you. Oh, here it is. The scene. <laughs> Hi. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, it, 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 we're going to see it more, too, when Kazi goes down really easily later at their failed attempt to get the Ronin. It's very clear on her face that she can tell, without saying it, that he's trying to get out of it and trying to get her out of it. Relax, Kate Bishop. Um, you guys can enjoy this scene. I'm going to talk for a second about, uh, about Kingpin, um, which is, <laughs> you know... I was so easily jumped to the conclusion uh, that, you know, Jack was being framed, that we were obviously being Mr. As I said, I was right that it was too obvious that Jack was the bad guy, and so it was going to turn out he wasn't the bad guy, or it was by mistake, you know, or against his will. Um, it turned out that you know, it seems for sure that that's the case, especially with what I've learned about the comics, where he's a, a, a mentor for Kate um, uh, at points, um, or, or in some uh, versions. Um and that it was so easy to just believe because it seemed to be really quickly from the time that she learned about Kate working with Hawkeye to releasing the information um, that Hawkeye got, not knowing it was from her, that Jack was the one and that it would go back to Kate and Kate would run to mom and mom would go to the police. But we don't even suspect, though, like oh, like that, you know, like that mom who was in love with this guy would just turn him in and say, oh, baby girl, I'm so sorry. I had no idea. You know, I mean, she's manipulating everybody. But what I haven't considered, it what's great because we haven't seen episode six, so we'll have to see because it's a big long episode with the Kingpin coming back, is that he very much, very much could have Eleanor under his finger. That maybe she's done some sketchy stuff, but it's pro knowing the way the Kingpin operates, almost no one other than Wesley, uh, you know, who is his manservant that did his bidding in season one, and who Karen Page shot like seven times through the face, uh, uh, here we go. 
Right, you think it's going to switch scenes to get the Christmas music? Oh, they do switch scenes. Oh, yeah, this is when he goes to uh, to his buddy from the LARPers. Yeah. There's nothing about this scene that's, uh, that's uh, unpredictable, but it just played so great between the characters. You know he's going to go up, ask for help, and the guy's going to offer way more help than he asks for. You know, don't stay at a hotel, stay on the couch. I mean, man, stay on my bed. Um... They're grills, yeah, and, you know, oh, I got the costumes, just not right now, man, I, I just want to, um, yeah, this was great that he established the connection during the LARPing, because he needs someone who's not Kate Bishop, who he can rely on when things go south, who's not going to even question, and that the LARPers, like Kate Bishop, you know, won't buy any of this nonsense that he's a bad guy, even if it's true that he was somewhat bad as a Ronin, they're not going to buy it, They they are... All hero worships, um, worshippers of the Avengers. Uh, but of course, you know, being the guy with the bow and arrow and being LARPers, but, you know, specifically being the sort of most human and most relatable of them, you know, they all love Hawkeye. They know who he is. They were thrilled he came to the LARPing. It, just through that experience, obviously, he can't be a horrible guy. They know he's a family man. And so it's great that we've got um, that Grills uh, as, a, as another friend who can actually help. This is great. Uh oh. Um. You know what's also sorry. What's real? What's, sorry. What's great about the scene? Now I'm watching it. Is uh. It's a, you know, is, is, is Yelena immediately wants to have girl talk. And because of the cultural differences that starts with the whole, uh, you have one fork, I'm one person. This is not cutlery, Kate Bishop. Um, uh, you know, she's immediately, you know, she's got brass knuckles on and a gun in her pocket, but she's like, I'm not going to kill you. Sit down, have some macaroni, hot sauce. Right. You say my whole name to point out that you know it. Yes. I know all about you. Right. You think it's just the Eastern European foreigner thing of saying the full name, but it's actually playing to that stereotype to intimidate her. This whole scene is to intimidate Kate, but, but Elena is so, you know, again, you have to imagine that this is what Widow was like, uh, you know, right after leaving the, the, the Widow pro, I'm sorry, that Natasha was like, right after escaping the program, was that you'd be very bipolar. And now she's gone through the snap, um, you know, uh, ashification in the five years and the confusion and blah, blah, blah. Now she thinks her sister's dead from the best friend, uh, from her sister's best friend. So everybody's confused. Um, sorry, I'm just watching this, which is, you saved the world. Natasha Romanoff, right. She reveals it immediately. I like that Kate, right. It's like you're not surprised. Yeah. Haley plays it great. Yeah, thank God I didn't kill you. Yeah, she thinks it's hilarious that you could possibly kill her. And so, you know, well, this is a very funny scene. It's very intentionally also supposed to make us not love uh, or, or at all trust Elena. Even if she's doing all of this out of a misguided sense of loyalty to sister, she's falling back on her assassin ways and... Uh, it's important that while she's intimidating and mocking Kate this entire time, uh, that Kate will immediately throw back in her face the whole, do you really know what of horrible things he did or, or whatever? And, you know, she basically says the whole, why don't you look... That was very Russian. <laughs> it's great to hear Emily Dickinson talk, you know, talk about the, uh, the sort of Russian uh, literary mentality. All right. Again, it's almost impossible to believe until we have more info because we don't know why she would believe Val. 
you know, if there was someone close to her in the, in the widow program, you know, that she was with all those years, like one of her girl buddies or, you know, uh, or Rachel Weiss's character, who was like her adoptive mom in the movie, like someone who we knew or, 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 or found out or was at least thought to believe that she knew well and would trust over a long period of time, maybe we could buy that Clint would kill her. And for sure, both the confusion of being gone for five years, miss, or I should say missing five years in, in five seconds, uh, and that anything could have happened during that time and all these universe-ending uh, uh, elements of, of it uh, with Thanos and the various snaps and the various attempts to destroy the universe, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so from both sort of a personal and a cosmic standpoint, who knows, right? So even if the Hawkeye before the snap would have never done it. Well, you know, the, the fact that he was the Ronin and she knows about at least the accusations of all the horrible things they did as the Ronin. Um, God, it's so, there's so much to untangle with this. So I have to assume that Val, someone before Val, Val herself, or following Val, uh, quick reveal at the end of Black Widow uh, about, uh, or, 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 you know, trying to trick her into thinking that Barton is the murderer of the sister, there would have to be a, a, a period of investigation where she found out that he was, you know, went psychotic and murderous um, during uh, during the period um, uh before the Ashified people came back, uh, because, you know, the scene where, I mean, it, actually, thinking about it more closely, the scene where we see him kill a bunch of people uh, in Endgame, and then he turns and sees Natasha, you almost think he's so far gone, and so paranoid, and so violent, that he's gonna kill her and not recognize her, uh, of course, he does recognize her, he says, don't give me hope, and it doesn't take her long, you know, in movie time to convince him to come back, um, and she brings him back from the brink in sort of every way possible, um, and gives him new life, um, and, and hope, um, and, you know, does sacrifice herself for him, so there is a kernel of truth that he's responsible, and that he failed, uh, to kill himself, um, uh, in, instead of her dying, uh, of course, she was always going to win, and he talks about that. You know, I talked about that in my Endgame commentary, which was when I was in the theater with my dad, um, you know, and he was watching the whole thing unfold uh, with uh, with the Renner and ScarJo, <laughs> with, the, with the Red Skull, and, and trying to get the orange gem, and uh, they realize that they're going to try and one-up each other um, when it comes to... Uh, oh, there's Pizza Dog. Um, oh, the dog stain with uh, with grills. That's awesome. Um, yeah, he doesn't want to even ask tiny favors from anybody. Um, uh, and so anyway, so I'm sitting there in the theater with my dad, and he's starting to put together what's going on on screen. And he's going like, please tell me this isn't happening. I'm like, yeah, dad, it's happening. I had not seen the movie, and I didn't know the spoilers. But I knew, and my dad says, do you know what's going to happen here? I said, yeah, I know what's going to happen here, Dad, but I don't want to say it, but I know what's going to happen. And the reason I knew is because Natasha always wins. You know, just like I always say Scarlett Johansson always gets what she wants and she deserves to, uh, Natasha always wins, it, even when winning means dying so that your best friend doesn't die so that he can be reunited with his family, who she also loves, just like she loves him. Um, and... Uh, I was completely right, both that she would, quote-unquote, win the death off, um, and I never worked a day in my life, right? Now you love Jack. Oh, uh, man. Uh, <laughs> it's an absolute nightmare. Yeah. Immediately turns in her, her love. Yeah. And what's crazy is, at this point, I, you know... The only reason Kate is buying this is because it's a combination of Hawkeye giving her the information and Mom. Mom, of course, Eleanor, of course, hasn't, I guess, you know, Jack is such a dummy. He's more evidence that he's actually a good guy. Okay, here's the scene. Because he, he doesn't put together that Eleanor is the one who set him up the whole time. This is the scene. This is it. As I said, Renner always finds a way late in the game, even if, if you aren't totally in love with him to do something just superhuman on the screen. And here it is, him taking the earpiece out and talking to Natasha about how much he misses her and needs to talk to her. And then almost sort of asking forgiveness uh, for what he's going to do, which again is another misdirect. It sounds like he's going to go murdering people as the Ronin again. 
I think it's something else. Always had to win, didn't you? There it is. Anyways, that was the point I was making for Stupid Orange Rock, right? Was that I knew in that moment, having not been spoiled, having not seen it, I knew that Natasha was going to be the one because he was the family guy and because she was always going to win a fight against him. They both have their tricks, and it's a very sort of quote-unquote fun scene, which again is is uh, is contrasting the sort of you know Avengers gadgety uh, tricksy funness of all their little traps and one another with you know I want to die no I want to die no I want to die I want to die I knew it would be Natasha um, there were other reasons too I figured at that point it would be Scarlett Johansson um, as, as Natasha Romanoff that would die um, but it was certainly the uh, that she always wins thing and so I was thrilled not only that Renner just got that great scene with the memorial to the Battle of New York which you never actually seen before I don't think that's another cool addition uh, to uh, to canon um, uh, but uh, that he re- specifically referred to it as winning um and it twisted away um because that's what it was that's what it was once she decided that she was the one that had to go she was going to be the one that had to go it's the same reason you know in age of ultron you know they keep trying to trick you that that it's going to be the end for hawkeye in ultron for a million reasons uh, even up to the last minute where he shields the boy, and then, of course, Quicksilver, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, runs in front of him. You didn't see that coming. Takes the bullets and dies. That sets the Scarlet Witch into craziness. Here we go. Here we go. The superhero. Oh, this is great. This is awesome. This is Okay, this scene is awesome for a million reasons. The first one is you get the dramatic music and her looking at the bow, and you think immediately she's going to hit the streets in the costume with the bow and arrow. Nope. Her being Kate Bishop, she leaves a thousand messages and would leave a thousand more, except his voicemail gets full. And the thing is, you don't notice it because it's so cute and funny and awkward and naturalistic, you know, and believable what's going on here. Whatever, I'm still learning. She just broke her window with flicking the thing, the little battle cap, just like you taught. This is your fault. This isn't over, Barton. Yeah. I'm going to find you, right? Mailbox is full, yeah. Um, But that this sort of scene uh, is a scene that a writer could have a lot of fun writing and a director thinks that they're having fun directing uh, and ends up being just not, you know, doesn't take off and isn't nearly as funny and cute as what we just saw in the hands of a lesser actor. And that's the thing, you know, again, people who see these movies primarily because they're nerds and like good performances, but they care as much about, like, the stupid costumes as, like, the actors behind the costumes, which annoys me to no end. Um, it's like, you know, it, it's, I love my good friend and... and uh, Longtime contributor Simi Klimo, but you know he can't get over hating Kylo Ren because uh, he's such a Han Solo fanboy. You know he can't even be a, 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 like rational for two seconds to acknowledge how brilliant Adam Driver is as Kylo Ren. He just he just hates him, and, and that's fine. And I kind of love that in some ways. You know it brings out the kid and people, but it also can it can lead people, uh, especially male nerd fanboys, uh, to um, really miss out on what's going on with the great performances even and especially with characters that aren't necessarily their favorite in the comics or even on screen so like are you missing out on how great Renner is here because you haven't loved Hawkeye in the past oh yes more Linda Cardellini like I said they're trying to get as much Linda Cardellini as possible and this is great because we've already seen a little bit of her not dark side but like she's been helping him doing computer searches and giving him permission to do whatever he has to do to clean up but this is a conversation where he specifically is like I'm gonna have to things are getting bad and I'm gonna have to do even some more stuff that I really don't want to have to do and she says, I trust you, you know, we've been safe, but I trust you, do whatever you have to do, essentially. All right, he tells her about the Black Widow. Of course, they have a secure line somehow. God, she's so beautiful. Love you, Linda Carlini. Again, in the Haley Steinfeld school of, of beautiful, but such a relatable natural uh, look and, and great, quirky, funny, but can be very serious and hit the drama button, the deep drama button at any moment. This is great. 
they really let Linda, that's it's so funny to listen to my first couple podcasts where I talk about I really wish they had more time with Linda Cardellini but the time that they give her and how each of these scenes with her because things are getting darker and more dire with her, her husband who she loves the father of her children who they love all right I, right she specifically says I give you permission I trust your judgment oh no she says you didn't call me to give you to give permission uh, but uh, in fact he did um just like when he's talking about the twins, uh, you know, in their little respite on the farm in Age of Ultron, which again, I love those scenes. I love that movie. And, you know, whether people admit it or not, you have to go back now and at least appreciate how great the family stuff is, uh, even if you don't love the, uh, the, movie, the whole movie of Age of Ultron because of what we've gotten since then with, uh, well, now this, but even before this with him as a father figure for, for um, Elizabeth Olsen uh, as, uh, as Wanda Maximoff. But... Um, you know, in that he's talking about the kids. And as I mentioned before, there's not a part where he says, is it okay if I go into this horrible battle where we're probably all going to die? In fact, she says, I fully support your avenging. He gets taken out right away. Oh, okay. So, oh, this is, that makes it even more interesting. So my feeling was that he kind of let himself get taken out. Uh, and so he comes to Maya later when they failed at all and Maya looks at him almost like he's betrayed her and he hasn't but because of that previous discussion where she was starting to suspect his motives just by his body language and the fact that he they know each other so well and that she's obviously very sensitive and vulnerable and this is all a big front for her vulnerability um god there's so much going on she's just such a great actress that they found uh, deaf actress to play to play uh, Maya, aka Echo. She's so 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 good, um, and that's why for me, episode three is where it takes off with her. Is as much as I love Elena, um, you know, th this was by far the bigger, uh, you know, new character. Or I guess Elena's not new, but you know, Elena's new insofar as she's not just a one uh, hit wonder in the Black Widow movie. She she's new in the sense of. She's going to be, you know, with us for a while. Um, Maya's just joining us in this series, has much more screen time because she's in a bunch more episodes um, and going to have her own series. Um, but this is just such an awesome, compelling character that, again, in, in the wrong writing, production, direction, and show running hands, um, and I said this about the Haley Steinfeld uh, a thousand phone calls scene in the wrong hands, you know, actress wise, even with great direction, you know, and would end up being just cliched and not particularly funny or cute. Um, this is also about the performance of the actress, um, but it's it, but it started with the casting of, of, the, of the actress and them getting on the same page with her about how this character wasn't just going to be, I'm mad at the world because I'm deaf and my daddy's dead, and so I'm going to do everything the bad guys say, and I'm going to have no humanity because she's able to play it on her face. Um, if anything, a deaf actress, uh, I mean, a talented actress who happens to be deaf, um, uh, is is really even more suited for this uh, kind of subtlety. Okay, so is that Jeremy Renner? I don't know. He seems to be trying to scare her, not kill her. And... Who is it? Oh, it is. Okay. I had, for I had forgotten that he revealed himself. But it wasn't him that was there the first time. I wanted you... See my face so I can watch you kill me no right come after me and my family so why doesn't he just say that it wasn't him that that didn't Maybe he doesn't even know. Maybe he killed so many fucking people that he can't even be sure that it w wasn't him that killed her dad. We're weapons. When you're filled with rage, it makes you blind. By the way, this is an 8.9 out of 10 on, on the IMDb, which for Marvel show on Disney Plus is excellent. Yeah, He's really trying to relate to her. Doesn't kill anybody. Doesn't kill her. Reveals it. I was here that night, tipped off by informant. Oh, she can relive. Works for the boss. 
your boss. You know that that's the kingpin. Yep. Yep. Oh, he does try and tell her. Okay. God, there was... Oh, yes, Kate Bishop saving the life. <laughs> Man, I I was just so gone at this point after the Kate Bishop uh, Elena scene, I think. I forgot a lot of this. Yeah. So she's going to be mad at Kazi because he didn't do his job. He was supposed to snipe, the, I you know, be the sniper, I guess, uh, which seems kind of low for someone who... Wants to be an honorable hand-to-hand -hand fighter. And they've got like an Uber driver. Oh, that's hilarious. That's so funny. Um, sorry, Alakwa, Alakwa Cox. I keep forgetting her name. Right, okay. So the first time I saw this scene, he hugs her. She's mad. Thank God. She, I think, it came out of nowhere. Right. It seems like he's lying. Yeah, she does not believe what he's saying, even though he is not lying whatsoever. Now, he was not going to shoot. This is like, uh, this is. Just, I'm sorry, I always relate everything to Rogue One. This is like when Cassian, uh, after the scene when Jin's dad dies and they barely get away, you know, uh, Galen dies, Krennic gets away, um, and they're on the ship. And Jin goes after Cassian about lying to her the whole time. You're going to kill my dad. And he says, no, I didn't. I disobeyed direct orders. But the whole point was he was up to the point of killing the dad and lying to Jin the whole time. And that was the whole, that was the whole idea. Why didn't you go to the meeting the night my father was murdered? He was already the number two? I don't know. I didn't get the call. There's a lot going on here. I think they're leaving a lot of this exposition uh, mysterious. Yeah. She's thinking he's... He really is looking after her best interest, and he hasn't done anything but try and help her. But again, the reason she's mad isn't that he's lying. Uh, that He didn't take himself out of this battle. But I think she can just read that he was never going to... He was never going to go through with helping her kill him. He couldn't stop her. As he admits, she's the one in charge. And she keeps, you know, insisting that he tell her that, that he acknowledges that he's the one in charge. Um, one more thing we should worry about. Right, girl, last night, one in the mask. Oh, here we go. What? Yeah, and... Now we already have an echo poster. Cool. Oh man, right. So it was important that he didn't get a good look at her. So he's it, it surprises him, but of course she knows that she had a sister named Elena. Couldn't possibly know she'd be the one here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I you know. He could certainly put together fairly quickly, uh, not the exact reason why she's coming after him, but let's be honest, only one person can confirm uh, the uh, nature and cause of her death, um, and that's him. So anyways, back to circle back to the beginning. It's possible there's yet, uh, this is the shot, this is the shot, we got uh, uh, this exact shot of him handing over the arrow from the back, him being injured, he kind of holds on to it for an extra second just in case. Oh, we do see mom walk in. Oh, so Yelena, is Yelena the one who grabs the photo? Yelena's the one who grabs the photo and sends it to them, I guess to put a fissure, right, she's already trying to, she knows Kate's not going to back off. So I guess she's gonna. She keeps trying to put uh, a fissure between uh, Bishop and and uh, Barton. Um, but anyways, uh, you know, Haley Steinfeld keeps talking about how the stakes get ridiculously high in the final episode. I have some theories about more characters, uh, including maybe Wanda, uh, um, and or Bucky or Sam or, or other uh, uh, Marvel TV characters that uh, might be coming in, Daredevil and so forth in the final episode. And it's not just the Kingpin. 
Um, but with a long episode with very, very, very high stakes and lots of twists and surprises, it's very possible that what we're going to find out is that Kingpin did to Eleanor exactly what he does to everybody. And even though she's rich and powerful already, it's very possible she got involved in some sketchiness that wasn't super horrible. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he finds those little pressure points and makes you his slave, essentially. There it is, Wilson Fisk. I mean, it's you really have to be a Daredevil fan to even know what, what that is, man. Sorry, you guys, if that wasn't my most coherent commentary ever. Um, and uh, I know I did like a long intro and all that. I also had some problems aligning it at a couple points. I was trying to realign uh, um, the uh, the two uh, feeds that I have going on and so forth. Um, but anyways, the key thing from the beginning is, you know, Eleanor has done a great job of manipulating everyone, including and especially her daughter and her lover, Jack, who's now lovable and quirky and not evil and quirky. Um, and hopefully we see more of him in the future. Um, but, you know, while Eleanor is for sure going to be seen as guilty and I think might die, you know, this often happens, which is, you know, when you're discovered to be working for the Kingpin, but it's also discovered that you've been blackmailed or forced into working for, the, for Wilson Fisk, you know, often the guilt causes you to do something reckless and you end up in jail, taking the fall for him. Like we see in The Wire, you know, the top guys in The Wire so rarely go to jail. It's always their subordinates uh, or, or who get killed on their behalf. And she might get killed in the crossfire. It's possible she feels horrible, tries to save her daughter, gets killed in the crossfire. I could see a lot of possible endings with Eleanor, again, because of just how great uh, um, and unique of a talent Um Vera Farmiga is and being so morally ambiguous that you could go either way and you would believe it with the performance. Um, but if there's lots of twists and turns, and it wasn't so obvious with Jack. So if Jack was just clearly being a, a, this, this, the, the setup guy for her the whole time, uh, the fall guy, uh, if you will, um, uh, that's a little bit more straightforward of a misdirect. Um, but it's so in the Wilson Fisk vein of, of performance um, and operation uh, uh, to be behind the scenes and manipulate other people. Um, and again, you use poor people or uh, vulnerable people to be your soldiers, but you use um, uh, people who also are powerful and rich to be higher up in the echelon, but still do things against their will um, and go further than they ever possibly would or, or, or would want to go or would certainly feel comfortable going um, into truly doing some bad things um, because of pressure points. For example, we might learn that Wilson Fisk had a beat on uh, Kate um, all this time and was just threatening to kill Kate um, uh, if mom didn't do, uh, you know, so uh, you could certainly see the scene where she's like, I did this all for you, Kate, like he was going to kill you. I had to do it for the family, blah, blah, blah. That would be a little cliche, but that's totally how Wilson Fisk operates. Um, and you know, if they're going to kill Vera Farmiga or even send her to jail, you know, it would be fitting with, with, with her character, her personality, her skill as an actress in, in being able to go so many different ways and you buying it with these plot twists. I mean, let's be honest, you know, I've mentioned her, the three main roles that, that I've seen her in, um, in movies I've seen multiple times in Love, Source Code, Departed, and uh, Up in the Air. Uh, there's major plot twists in all three movies involving her. Um, source code, she makes the decision. Uh, up in the air just has to do with the fact that she's been lying about, spoiler alert, that she has a family the whole time and she's having an affair with Clooney and leading him on that it's going to lead to some long-term relationship and acts totally surprised when he comes to confess his love to her and turn his life around and it turns out she has a family that she just gets tired of sometimes and has just been using him the whole time. Um, and, and Departed, she gets uh, totally twisted around by Damon, um, uh, but also because she starts really, um, uh, uh, you know, falling for Leo, but also not just romantically, but, you know, uh, being um, drawn in to a dangerous, um, beyond a dangerous emotional level with uh, what's going on with DiCaprio um, being a, a double agent um, or so forth. For the good guys, even while her boyfriend, Matt Damon's a double agent for the bad guy, right? So in that case, she's not morally ambiguous, uh, um, uh, uh, other than she's being uh, pulled around a, a moral spectrum that's completely turned upside down and inside out. Um, the point being, I could see Eleanor Bishop in the hands of Farmiga and this great writing team uh, going a lot of different ways, but it would... It, 
let me put it this way. If she is just pure evil and, like, sort of operating almost like a Madame Gao, like, as an equal to uh, Wilson Fisk, that would be the one ending I wouldn't totally buy. Madame Gao is a very special case that scared the shit out of Wilson Fisk, this tiny Chinese woman who doesn't speak English, supposedly. He was scared shitless of Madame Gao, uh, and that was a great relationship. Um, uh, but almost no one um, uh, in this country, in his city, as he calls it, or as he thinks of it, you know, can do... Um, can do things and consider themselves as equal and not be doing it for him. Uh, especially with the sort of slightly rebooted Wilson Fisk where he's in, still in charge of the city, but it's really behind the scenes and uh, people only know him, by, you know, by occasional glances, rumors, um, and, and, you know, the big guy, et cetera, and so forth and so on. And so if they really are going to try and bring back Kingpin this quickly, relatively, and the new Defenders 2.0, Marvel New York City 2.0, whatever you want to call it, um, world that we're getting and we're thrilled to be getting, uh, which also includes Daredevil, and like we've been saying, hopefully Jessica Jones as well, the best parts of the Defenders coming back. Um, and, but it's going to be the kingpin that we know and fear but love uh, from the Daredevil series. Uh, it, it really wouldn't... Um, uh, there, there has to be some level of manipulation, control, pressure, um, and... Uh, um, uh, you know, even like at some level enslavement, um, uh, in terms of taking away, um, any real sense of free choice and being based purely on blackmail, um, uh, and, and threats or whatever we're going to find out with Eleanor. And so it's probably going to be something that she's done some bad things and feels bad about him, but it's also going to be Wilson Fisk manipulating. And the question at that point is a, how are the filmmakers going to frame it in terms of telling the story to us? Um, but B, how are they going to frame it inside in terms of how Kate Bishop sees it? And I think because she's learned all the all the moral ambiguity that's gone on um, in, in Hawkeye's life, and he's revealed it to her, and she's still come out being like, you're a great guy, yes, you've made mistakes, but I'm going to, you know, you're not going to send me away, you're not going to, you know, get rid of me, um, because you need me and I need you, and the city needs both of us, basically, uh, kind of thing, and so, you know, uh, now whether she's able to accept a similar ambiguity with her mom, especially seeing the direct blackmail uh, that I think we're going to see uh, from Kingpin, uh, will be an interesting issue, um, so anyways, uh, that was an interesting uh, commentary, um, and uh, uh, and uh, whether you join me for the sort of little intro or not, um, it doesn't really matter. Um, it's just a great episode. I'm just still digesting it. Um, you know, all the other episodes uh, I loved and loved each one more and more as everyone seems to, and the user scores are going up for each episode and just overall, which is great, and just the reaction online as people are getting more into it each episode, and, and that's awesome to see. Um, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, this was the first episode that wasn't great for all surface reasons. There's so much going on under the surface and so many things that we had taken for granted that were on the surface, um, not just with our two leads, but with Eleanor, with Jack, with uh, with Maya, um, uh, with Kazi, with all of the characters, uh, we find that everyone's a lot more complicated. Well, Kate's not. Kate's who we think she is because really we're seeing this all through Kate, um, uh, which is what I thought would be the case. Um, uh, even though it's the Hawkeye show, and even though we're getting tons of Hawkeye on his own and with Kate, but I, 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 knew, I it felt that we were gonna have to see it through. Um, the earnest, um, you know, uh, no filter, uh, but is young enough to still be innocent, even though she's dumb and makes mistakes at times. Um, we see it through the Kate Bishop, um, eyes. Uh, everybody else has a lot more layers going on. Even someone who we knew had a lot more layers going on, like Clint Barton, has even more, and his. Linda Cardellini, Lara Barton, even has more layers going on. She's a little dark herself, you know. They've been through so much, world-endingness, you know, Avengers, near-deathness. At this point, they all just want it to be done. Um, and one way or another, there's going to be the giant showdown of the OK Corral, uh, maybe multiple showdowns of the OK's, OK's Corral uh, in the next episode. So, 
I'm still digesting this. Hopefully, you got something out of this commentary. Um, and uh, I, I, I promise I'll, I'll sit on the final episode a little bit, uh, hopefully. Um, uh, probably watch it a couple times before I do it. But I do want to get that commentary out relatively quickly. Um, so if you're listening to this uh, before, um, what would the date be? I guess Wednesday the 23rd or something, I think is when it comes out. Um, then it hasn't aired yet, and we're all very excited for it. And come back in a day or two uh, to see my commentary for that. If you're getting this after the final episode, then the final episode is probably available and you should check that out um and uh we will finish strong with that one i've had a blast doing these and i think this one took me by surprise because i, I you know i i really wasn't expecting the, the, this, this series to actually get as deep as, as this episode got um it got, or as real <laughs> you know as, as hawkeye was saying it got very real very quickly he was referring to the black Wid- uh, black widow assassin but really he was referring to the tv show you know he's inside the show it's not breaking the fourth wall because he's not aware that we're watching but he said this got very real very quickly He's actually talking about the events of the show, uh, looking back to the end of episode four. So, goddamn, they just keep finding these great directors and showrunners out of nowhere that take big, huge stars um, and and known quantities, uh, but also bring in other big, huge stars with unknown quantities, like Haley Bishop, Haley Bishop as Kate. Um, Haley Steinfeld is Kate Bishop, excuse me, and making great shows out of it. And, uh, you know, I mean, Star Wars is is really succeeding on TV in a way. It's had trouble in the films. At least the films have been splitting audiences, whereas the TV shows seem to be uniting audiences. And Marvel, for sure, is doing great on TV. Um, you know, I've always loved Marvel on TV. I like the Defender shows um, a lot when they were hitting and uh, felt that if we could bring that, you know, vibe back, um, but you maintain it sort of... Uh, more constant uh, level of consistency and quality control. Well, I think that's what we're starting to see here, and I can't wait for Echo. Um, I'm excited for Daredevil to come back. I really hope Jessica Jones comes back, but I'm also excited for these new uh, characters. Um, and so, okay, time for the Bizzle to shut up once more. Um, finally get a little rest here after a long night of podcasting. Thank you so much for joining me. It has been a pleasure doing this um, and a lot of fun and uh Probably should watch The Witcher at some point, which I've been, you know, p- promoting and pumping up for th- for two years, uh, 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 free of charge uh, to Netflix or, or, or Team Witcher. Uh, but now that it's here, uh, you know, I know the book so well. Uh, it's it's sometimes tough to to do it, but this is all new material for me, and I, I've been waiting for it, as you guys know. So. Hope you enjoyed the show as much as I have, and be back uh, with you soon for the as-yet-untitled episode 6 out of 6 of Hawkeye Season 1. And we'll have to see where this goes from here. A lot of a lot of strands in old Duder's head now that we suddenly have Matt Murdock and Wilson Fisk back in the picture. Um, so thank you so much for joining me. You guys have been great. I've been the Bizzle. May the Force be with you. But for now, the Bizzlecast is out.